Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, You might want to uh, turn in your hymnals to hymn number 287, which is what we sang at the beginning, because I'm going to be referring to that a little bit, um, but also to your bulletin inserts. So we're going to be going backwards and forwards a little bit. One of the things that we get to do on All Saints Day, which is such a blessing, and lest we forget the rest of the year, it reminds us that we are a community. We're not individuals who have joined an institution. We are not individuals who have joined an institution. We are family. And we were made family through being baptized into Christ. So we are brothers and sisters. Now it might be that you know some of your brothers and sisters better than you know others. But that doesn't make it any different. We are all a family, not individuals in an institution. We're the household of God. We are the community. As we just sang, we're the blessed communion, fellowship divine. We feebly struggle. They, the saints who have gone before, in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, in Jesus, and all are thine. So this communion, this fellowship divine, this household of God, this family, comprises not just those we see in this room, those who were here this morning in the chapel, those who can't be with us, who are part of this close communion, but it's actually our brothers and sisters around the world and also those who have gone before, the saints who are even now held in the hand of God. They in glory shine. In the wisdom of Solomon, we hear that the souls of the righteous are, present tense, they are in the hand of God and no torment will ever touch them. And who are the righteous? Well, not righteousness in and of ourselves, of course, but those who have been made righteous through the death and resurrection of Christ, faith in him and his sufficient work of salvation. The souls of the righteous are in the hands of God. Those who the hymnist wrote, by faith before the world confess the name of Jesus. Although, as again the author of the Wisdom of Solomon writes, in the eyes of the foolish they seem to have died, they are, in fact, alive. Held in the hand of God, they are 
at peace. They are in heaven. They are in heaven's dimension, which means that they're where God is present. They now see him face to face. They've entered into that sweet calm of paradise, the blessed. They nobly fought of old and have received the victor's crown of gold. For them, the golden evening has already brightened in the west. And to those faithful warriors has come rest. But we also read in the wisdom of Solomon that there is a time coming, a visitation that will come upon them when they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble. They will govern nations and rule over peoples and the Lord will reign over them forever. Have you ever seen how a fire takes, uh, takes hold and if it's dry tindling and it just through a field of stubble, it just runs throughout the field? That's the image that we have. That at their visitation, that's a future time, at their visitation, at the second coming of Christ, when Christ visits again, they will run like sparks through the stubble. The faithful will abide with him in love because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones. Holy, of course, made holy through the blood of Christ by being baptized into his death and his resurrection. You know, we are all saints. This is All Saints Day. Now, look around, think about yourself. There might be some things within you that you think is not particular saintly. Um, that's true for all of us. But we've been sanctified. We've been set apart. We're not yet as we truly will be, but that is within us. We are a set-apart people made holy through Christ. Saints living and saints who have gone before what we have called and what the hymn writer calls the church triumphant are those who are even now alive in the presence of God. Those who have died and are alive in God. The church triumphant. But as we've heard in the wisdom of Solomon, they've been promised a visitation. So they're also the church expectant because they're waiting. You know, we read also in Revelation, not in today's passage, that uh, those who are martyred are waiting under the altar of the Lord and saying, how long, Lord? How long? How long until the second visitation? They are awaiting their visitation so that they are both triumphant. They are triumphed over this life. They're expecting the return of the Lord when they will shine forth and run like sparks through the stubble. Waiting for the time that our passage today from Revelation talks about, the time when the one who is seated on the throne, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, will make all things new, all things a new heaven-earth dimension. A new Jerusalem coming out of the heavens. 
Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away and the new has come. The time when the saints triumphant and expectant who are even now at peace held in the hand of God will receive their resurrected bodies. The yet more glorious day that the hymn writer talks about. Verses 7 and 8 are talking about this coming time that has not yet come. The yet more glorious day when the saints triumphant rise in bright array as the king of glory passes on his way. And not only they, but we also, who are the church militant, the church still in the battle, the saints still engaged in the spiritual warfare against the the forces of evil, the forces of darkness. They and we will rise. It says, from earth's wide bounds, from ocean's farthest coast, through gates of pearl, streams in the countless hosts singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And all this through the one who proclaims himself to Martha as the resurrection and the life. Just before the passage that was read today from the Gospel reading, Jesus has come to Martha and come to Mary and said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who came to be one of us, who fully entered into the fullness of what it is to live in this fallen world. The one who, the hymn writer says, knew the strife the long warfare, who felt and still feels our griefs. Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He felt deep grief. He is angry at the suffering of his people. That word, he's disturbed in his spirit. He's angry. There's a part of that that has the meaning of being angry with, suffering. He sees the suffering of his friends Martha and Mary, and he is angry that such grief comes upon them. And God is still angry at our suffering and knows our griefs knows all of our griefs but he wants us to know and through this passage that though the golden evening forms into paradise the blessed for those who walk through the veil those who are even yet held in the hands of God as we each will that that is the sure hope that we have. And the further hope is that he will return. 
at his second visitation and make all things new. In the middle of those two promises, he also wants us to know that he can unbind us now. That we can be unbound of whatever it is that ties us, that holds us fast in this life. Now, Jesus knew that Lazarus' sickness was unto death. And he didn't go so that God's glory could shine forth. That didn't mean that when he got there, he reacted in a human way with grief. But he tarried so that after four days, it would be clearly known that Lazarus was dead. His body would have started to decay and there would have been a stench. No doubt in anybody's minds after being dead for four days. But he tarries. But on his way and during those days, he's praying to the Father. He's praying that the body does not decompose, that there is no stench because we hear, Father, thank you for having heard me. That continual past that he has been praying. God has heard him as he prayed because Martha says there's going to be a stench and he says, open the tomb. Roll back the stone. And they do. And immediately he knows that his prayer has been answered because there is no smell. And so he shouts into the darkness, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out, but still bound. And Jesus turns to the others and says, unbind him. Lazarus receives a resuscitated body. He will eventually die. Waiting, as all of those who have gone before, for the resurrected body. Because no one to date, except Jesus, has received a resurrected body. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. We'll receive our resurrected bodies along with the hosts who have gone before, who are even now alive in the presence of God. We will all eventually receive new bodies, resurrected bodies, when there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. So Lazarus is brought back from the dead in a resuscitated body. See, the calling forth of Lazarus is a sign to us that he is called forth, as he is called forth from the darkness of the tomb, so too does the Lord call us forth. He still intercedes for us. We've heard that throughout the last uh, few weeks from the letter to the Hebrews, that he is interceding for us. Just as he was praying 
over Lazarus. He is interceding for each and every one of us. I was at a clergy conference this last week, and oftentimes it's kind of cerebral stuff. We get Bible scholars and that, and it's kind of like being back at seminary sometimes. It's fun stuff, So, but you're kind of in that mindset. And the, and the leader started with, what have you come today expecting? And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, the Bible to be opened up for me a little bit more. And he said, I want you to know that Jesus is interceding for you right now, wherever you are. He's come to wash your feet. Wow. But that's true of all of us. He's interceding for each of you right now so that when the strife is fierce the warfare long steals on the ear the distant triumph song and hearts are brave again and arms are strong for the Lord is still in the business of unbinding those who are sealed into whatever tomb of darkness they find themselves right now. He is still our rock. He is still our fortress. He is still our might. He is still our Lord and captain in this fight. And in this present darkness is our one true light who calls us forth into his light and gives us brave hearts and strong arms and reminds us of his promise to return and dispel the darkness forever. Amen.